Hey, what's happening, you guys? Welcome to the Proclivity Podcast. I am your host, Joel Cochran. I'm here with my co-host, Emily Rodella, and we have a special guest today. I'm giddy about this special guest, okay? This guest, not only is she a, a superstar in the corporate world, but she knows how to speak three languages. How many languages do you guys know how to speak? Maybe you know how to speak more. I don't know. But really excited to be able to have Julia on the podcast today. What we're going to be diving in today is we're going to be talking a little bit about structure. We, we at Proclivity know how vital structure is. It's at the base of our pyramid. Yet, why don't we have structure? What causes us to lose structure or to not build it in the first place? We're going to talk about safety and how safety within ourselves and in our environment can create better structure. So this isn't your average normal structure podcast, guys. This is going to be deep. It's going to be great. We're really excited to have Julia on here. A little bit of background on her. She has vast experience in the corporate world. She worked for Google for well over seven years. She watched Google grow from 30,000 employees to 100,000 employees. She started her own business in 2019 where she works with, has worked with Fortune 5 companies such as Google, Meta, Microsoft, and she helps employees understand the effects of stress on the body, the mind, how to move from burnout and build a mindful lifestyle that delivers focus, high energy, and productivity. If that doesn't ring a bell for you, this probably isn't the podcast for you, but if it does ring a bell, we're going to be diving into it today. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the Proclivity Podcast, Julia. Julia, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. You're, you're just in our backyard here up in Tahoe, and we were talking about it before the show started. You're from Germany but you fell in love with Tahoe. How come? I don't know. <laughs> the honest answer. Um, you know, I've lived, I was talking with some friends about this the other day because I actually traveled a lot in my 20s. I lived in different countries and I visited and stayed at some really beautiful places. You know, I lived in the south of France. I lived in yeah. Sydney, Australia. I lived in Ireland, which is really beautiful for anyone that's never been there. Um, and when I, the opportunity presented itself to um, live in California for a little bit, I was like, yeah, two years, you know, check out the U.S. I was never, I had never like a super big pull to the U.S. I don't know why. And then I came here and then heard about Tahoe and came to Tahoe for the first time. And I was just like, I don't know, just a, something different, like a magical pull or draw, I like to say. But I felt very, it felt really special to me here. And then, yeah, and then it just, you know, started to become a habit to come here on my weekends and use this beautiful space and place to recharge my batteries and yeah, just be in nature. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to do that more and I yeah. wanted to have more and more of that experience. And then I ended up living here full time, which is, sounds so easy and simple. And it was such a long, <laughs> difficult <laughs> process. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Well, you guys, if you haven't been to Tahoe, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, I do a lot of uh, business consultations and, you know, we talk to people all across the United States and even around the world. And if we say, oh, I live in Nevada, their usual answer is, oh, Vegas. Yeah. It's like, no. Have you heard of Lake Tahoe? Like, oh, Lake Tahoe. I have heard of Lake Tahoe. Okay, that's where Reno is. Most people have no idea that Reno and Lake Tahoe are butted up to each other. And right. that's, it's a magical place, guys. If you haven't been, go and, and visit. It truly, like, that's why I brought that up, Julia, because I'm like, I know you've been to incredible places. And there's some, mm -hmm. there's a magic about Lake Tahoe. So mm -hmm. we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. So we've been following you for a long time and we are very attracted to your ability to work with busy professionals and help them and guide them to create a lifestyle of, of balance, um, of opportunity. Tell us a little bit about who you work with and what you do. So I work with, I would say, executives and leaders, but I've also worked with moms and not that they're not an executive or leader because I think they're equally leaders and executives, sure. actually, now that I say it out loud. But I've worked with really um, anyone from startup, you know, startup entrepreneurs, um, executives and leaders more in the tech startup world. And people usually come to me for two different reasons. Um, number one is kind of what I'm obviously showcasing a lot on my own social media and my my YouTube uh, channel, which is more around stress management and burnout prevention and productivity systems mm -hmm. and tools. So they come to me and they say, I'm really burned out or they don't know that they're burned out, but they say, I'm really overwhelmed and I'm really stressed and I don't feel really good anymore in the way of how I'm managing my life and I need some help and so I work with them through that and then more recently and I always wonder if that's something that just naturally happens when you are in the in the coaching space for a couple of years but and also maybe because of the how the market has been shifting because obviously we know especially in the tech space where I'm mostly operating and there's been kind of a crisis over the last six to twelve months and so people come to me as well for career, um, for career advice and for how to either how to start your own business or how to move from one company to the next company. So I've been doing that actually quite a bit as well. And I love that equally. It's very interesting. And I think there's also a connection between being burned out and trying to find a new job or moving, shifting in your career sometimes for the right reasons and sometimes not so much for the right reasons. Because oftentimes when I work with people, they think that the best solution for their burnout is to change their jobs. And I'm always trying to teach them that that's actually not the case. Mm. Because we make oftentimes, and we actually will talk about this as we're talking about psychological safety today, but when we are not feeling safe, we are actually making our external environment responsible for how we feel. 
And so we point the finger and say, oh, that manager, that teammate or that project is like so makes me feel so unsafe or makes me feel so overwhelmed and stressed, um, which has a lot to do with safety. And I'm super happy to chat a little bit more about that from a neuroscientific perspective of what's actually happening in the brain. And then they shift, right? They go to another role within the company. They go to another company that has actually really similar structure or they start their own business. And then six months down the road, they burn out again. That's right. And then they think, well, <laughs> that didn't really work out the way I wanted to. And, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, people have compared it to always finding yourself in the same or similar relationship, right? You mm -hmm. escape a relationship and then you, you get into the next relationship. And it, once you've done it a few times, you ask yourself, is it me actually? That, mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, oh, super interesting. And we talk a lot about, hey, what is your internal locus of control? What well, mm -hmm. we can point the finger all the time. We call it projections, mm -hmm. right? At proclivity, you know, they, he, she, them. When we replace the they, she, they, him with I, right? And when we do that cognitive reappraisal of being able to go, oh. I am the problem or I need more help. Not they need more help. They don't listen to me. I'm not listening to myself. There's a big difference right there of being able to go, oh, from external, can't control that. Internal, oh, I can listen to myself. What, what am I telling myself? Ooh, I'm stressed and burned out. Hmm, why am I stressed and burned out? Now we start going down the rabbit hole. So let's dive in a little bit. I, I'm, I'm curious when it, when it comes to structure and safety, where, where is that connection? Is there a connection? Cause people who are listening right now are like, man, I got to, you know, structure my, my day. I'm just, I just feel out of control. There's not enough time in the day. You know, I got all these things I have to do and then they're getting burnt out they're stressed, they're treating their, their kids, not the way they want to treat them, or, you know, they're, they're being really ab abrasive to their coworkers or to their employees. Where's the connection here in terms of structure, safety? I really want to open this up because there's people listening right now who go, I, I don't want to feel this way. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that question. And I want to talk first about structure. What okay. does structure actually mean, right? So structure, when I think about structure, I think about habits. And when I think about habits, I think about healthy habits and unhealthy habits. Because oftentimes, and something that I talk with my clients a lot about as well, we talk about habits and routines. And I always say to my clients, no matter if you think you have a routine or not, you have one. The question is just, does that routine support your lifestyle and does it help you to be the best version of yourself or does it not support you? And that comes back to, that. that's kind of the structure, right? If you kind of, I feel like that's almost like one one bubble or one, one circle of, okay, habits, routine, structure falls all under this one thing. And so... From a neuroscientific perspective, let me talk a little bit about the brain. We know that the brain loves 
to be to automate as many things as possible because that helps us to save energy mm. right and so when we think about structure we have a certain structure or routine or habit in our lives no matter again if we are aware of it and if we think about it and if we are conscious and mindful about how we create our structure we have it and so that's why it's always so helpful to look at the routines i actually do an exercise oftentimes with my corporate teams about their morning routine and i tell them just write down the first five to ten things that you do every single morning and then think about and and i try to and i ask them to be as detailed as possible so you open your eyes what's the first thing you do Usually you grab your phone, right? Mm. <laughs> and you go through social media and you look at emails and things like that, right? And then oftentimes maybe because of that, you start to be late. And so you jump out of bed and you don't have time to eat a good meal or you don't have time to take a shower or you don't have time to stretch for five minutes or you don't have time to be mindful, right? But I, I try to start creating awareness around that for them. And then I ask them, so now that you know the five to 10 things that you do every single morning, what can you replace this with? What would be a better way to start your morning, right? Um, and as we all know, we can have all the best intentions in the world, but it's very, very difficult sometimes, oftentimes, always, <laughs> to, to actually do it, right? To, to actually do the things that we know are good for us. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to safety and structure. Because our brain knows what we have been repeatedly doing over and over and over again because that's automated and that saves us energy and that's just so much easier to do than if you start to integrate something new all of a sudden mm. your brain is like hold on a second why are you changing this up right now that takes way more energy to do this it mm. takes way more mental mental energy to be like oh stop no we're not gonna take that phone right now I'm actually going to just stay in bed for just 30 seconds and think about three things that we're grateful for. Or mm. I just leave the phone by my bedside table for the next 15 minutes and I'm actually going to do something that, that I really enjoy doing. That's a huge energy expenditure at the beginning for the brain because it's something new. Mm. And what's really interesting to know about the brain is, is that the brain doesn't know what's good for you and what's bad for you. Your brain only knows what you have been repeatedly doing over and over and over again, which again, that's your automated mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that for the brain is your safety state. Whatever you have been doing over and over and over and over again, that is what makes you feel safe. Mm. And what makes your brain feel in the safe state. And as soon as you're getting kind of out of that structure, um, of that known structure that you currently have, then your brain feels in an unsafe state. So that's one way to look at it. I think, and that's super, super interesting. And we can go down I, uh, in, in that direction. I want to sure. mention one other um, direction as well. So when we talked about the brain and how like, your brain derives psychological safety from different factors, from and every individual is a little bit different based on their own experience based on how they lived their life over the course of the 30 40 years they have lived and when and your brain 
So let's talk even maybe more detailed about the brain for a second. So you have two parts of the brain that when you're listening to this podcast today, I would love for you to remember these two parts after the show. There is something called the amygdala and something called your prefrontal cortex. The amygdala is your emotional center or also and also part of the old brain. The amygdala is what is part of the, the old brain and also part of that automated brain. So Every time um, you've been do like every time you do something, your amygdala assesses is this safe or is this not safe? And if it's not safe, your amygdala immediately rings the alarm bell and says, This is not safe because this is something different. This is something that we haven't seen before. Hmm. And your amygdala is a is a part of the brain that has been that was developed thousands and millions of years ago when all the amygdala did was to keep you in a safe state, right? Because it, it detected danger. And when it detected danger, it gave you, it kind of gave your brain that alarm bell and said, this is actually not safe. We need to pay attention to this. And over the course of evolution, we know from a societal de development perspective, we know today, while society developed significantly and your, the brain actually didn't, wasn't able to catch up as long, as much with, with the development of, of our society. What do I mean by that? Well, Society nowadays is pretty safe, right? We're not really, when we're thinking about daily threats, we don't really think about I'm walking down the street and there might be a saber-toothed tiger or lion that's chasing me down, right? We are not really concerned with that kind of danger anymore. When we think about threats, and you can do this for a second if you're listening to this podcast right now, ask yourself, what are daily threats that you're worried about on a regular basis? And you might think that meeting with my manager that feels a little bit threatening today or that email that I just received from that stakeholder and that felt a little bit threatening to me, right? Like it's usually, though, it's like societal psychological mm -hmm, threats mm -hmm. nowadays. And um, fortunately, we have a breaking system in our brain, and that's the prefrontal cortex. I already mentioned the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the newest part of the brain it's the part of the brain that was developed um not you know also millions of years ago but <laughs> but but less than the amygdala and it's also the part of the brain that differentiates us from animal kingdom because the prefrontal cortex helps us to concentrate to focus to think to reflect on ourselves right we call this um cognition right um or the the ability to to con like to to reflect on ourselves of on our behaviors We also call the prefrontal cortex our creative brain because, um, yeah, it helps us to be creative. Mm -hmm. And the more stress you experience over the course of the day, the more the prefrontal cortex actually turns off and your amygdala it takes over. So your prefrontal cortex is basically the break to your amygdala because the prefrontal cortex can make the assessment of, is this actually dangerous or is this not dangerous? Mm -hmm which is really, really important to know because once you understand that, then you understand why is it important to pay attention to your those warning signals when your prefrontal cortex is starting to turn off mm. because your prefrontal cortex requires a lot more energy than your amygdala because your prefrontal cortex is a conscious, non-automated driver. So it, it constantly assesses, is this safe, is this is this not safe, right? Do I need to react mm -hmm. to this or is, do I not need to react to this right now? Because it's actually not an actual danger. But because we are living in a world where 
we are constantly on and our prefrontal cortex constantly needs to make a lot of decisions, it also starts to be depleted at some point during the day sure. because the prefrontal cortex was not designed to function 24-7. That's the amygdala that does that. And your amygdala is your, is your emotional fear center, mm-hmm. and which is why... You know, when, when we're talking about stress and burnout, why so many people are now constantly in that amygdala because the prefrontal cortex is not operating at its, at, at its finest anymore. So why do I tell you all of this as we're talking about structure and safety, right? Because stress has a huge impact on how, again, how you're feeling safe and how you're not feeling safe. So when you're having a lot of, a lot of stress in your life, then um, it, as you now understand and learned, your prefront and your your amygdala is taking over. You're more emotional. You're more um. You're more in this again. You're more trying to keep. You're in that safe state. You're trying to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. And so when you've been working all day and you've had a ton of these stressors that your prefrontal cortex was trying to um, to manage, your amygdala, your prefrontal cortex totally completed and depleted at the end of the day. And not just at the end of the day, it could also be three hours into the day, depending on how much you already did in the first few hours when you started your work day or your day in general. And then, you know, the structure maybe that you set out to do, the new habit or routine or the pattern that you actually wanted to break mm-hmm. is now so much harder to break because you don't have that mental toughness anymore from your prefrontal cortex to say, I know my amygdala says, uh, who cares about the workout today, right? Because we are really tired. We've been working all day. And because I haven't worked out in a while, that also doesn't really feel very safe in, in to start with. And mm-hmm. so let's stay in that safety state. Let's stay in that old structure that I've had, that I'm very familiar with and that I, that I like because I know it's easy and I don't need to make an effort to like use any more energy of that prefrontal cortex to actually take that that step to to make a better decision, maybe. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It does mm-hmm. it does? I, I mean, there's so many different questions I have with that. <laughs> Emily, anything that's popping out for you? No, go for it. I have some later. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. So, when we're talking about this uh, prefrontal cortex. It's like flexing a muscle, right? Yes. Where it's just like sooner or later, it, when you have all these different stressors going on, it's like burnout. Like literally, guys, think about doing like a bicep curl and you're just doing more and more and more until that that bicep is all of a sudden going like, oh, I'm, I'm smoked out. I, I can't anymore. And, and when you think about it in terms of a physiological structure, when that muscle burns out, other muscles have to pick up to be able to accomplish the task. And this is where dysfunctions in the body end, end up happening because we, we've burnt out that muscle. So then there's a dysfunction. A lot of people in the uh, work world have low back problems. Mm-hmm. And that's because they, they are, yes. Yeah, Julia. <laughs> right. I've been there too. Okay. I'm working on it. Right. <laughs> and usually that's because that glute med starts shutting off when the glute med starts shutting off, right. The erectors have to start taking over. Then it might even start rolling up the back even more because you still need to walk. You still need to sit up. You still need to do these things. So the body's like, well, that isn't working, but we'll overcompensate with other muscles that aren't really meant to do the job, but they'll do the job. 
And then then before we know it, we're like, oh, I can't stand up. I can't do this. I feel completely exhausted. So bringing it back to the the prefrontal cortex, when that thing exhausts out, we just go back to lizard brain of the amygdala and going like, I I, I can't flex that muscle anymore. So I'm going to go back to what I know that creates safety. And this is where we might end up at the end of the day being less motivated, maybe a little snappy at our significant other, uh, not finishing the tasks, not cleaning the dishes, because we're just in that space where the brain saying, Hey, enough for today. You need to create safety. Is, is that a fair comparison, Julia? I love the comparison to the bicep curl 100% because your brain is a muscle and it, and it's so interesting, right? Because we know in so many different other ways that we need breaks or we need recharge things, right? We need to recharge things. Like we know that our phones at the end of the day, we plug them in in order to recharge, right? We know that we do a workout for like 60 minutes and then we need to recharge our muscles, which is why I love um, the comparison to, to, just professional athletes as well a lot in the work that I do because we they don't work out 24-7, right? They work out an hour or maybe two times an hour during the day and then they do a lot of rest and recovery, right? And then I always say, well, why then is it that when we are sitting at work, we just think we can keep on going? And I have so many clients that mm. work all day and then they, they take, you know, an, an hour break kind of ish <laughs> because they have dinner with the family or something. And then they go back to work because they think they still need to finish something. And if they don't do it now, you know, it just kind of spills over and their task list is growing and so on. And it's such a, it's, it's very terrible that we think about it that way. Um, but, I, you know, like I would say 98% of the population thinks that way because we haven't learned that breaks are actually really important for us to recharge that mm. prefrontal cortex. Because then once you've learned that, and that's been such a cool thing for me to experiment with, obviously, over the last couple of years since I started this business, because I burned out in the corporate space and because I hadn't learned that, even though. I always considered myself a very healthy and active person. I was actually working out five, six times a week. I was doing, I, I have a gym instructor certification actually. And so I was lifting weights every single day and I ate pretty healthy. But then over the course of time, because my prefrontal cortex was so exhausted all the time, because I also started commuting to Tahoe and there was just like all these other Ooh. factors that, that were starting to play a role. I, without really not knowing and understanding at the time, I started to skip the workouts and I started to drink more coffee and I started to eat more sugar in order to stay awake because I constantly felt tired and I started to sleep super poorly. But I didn't know how to read these symptoms, right? Because it's such a, it's such a slow process that you're kind of going down that rabbit hole. It's not something that happens from one day to another. Yes. And then I burned out, right? And then I had to learn what mental health and what what like that mental piece actually meant. Because even though I worked out and I did consider myself, I still consider myself an athlete over those many, many years that I've been working out, I didn't understand that part until I really felt that. Mm -hmm. And so... 
yeah so yeah so it's really beautiful and what i what i was the reason why i'm saying this is so over the last four and a half years i've obviously expanded experimented a lot on myself right because i am a person that tends to burn out because i'm a high achiever and i i am super ambitious and i want to do all the things all the time but i've learned that as i'm taking breaks i'm actually so much more productive and and it's really hard so hard and people that have maybe tried that out already you can relate to that you know especially when you're working from home to have that really strict you know break at like 12 or 1 to say i am taking this lunch break now and i'm not going to work until two or three or four o'clock and then i'm starving right and then i take this break and then i feel super um unproductive for the rest of the the afternoon because my body is just kind of like okay now i need to kind of break all this food down and i still wanted to do all these other things so there's a lot of experimenting that needs to happen and a lot of adjusting for your brain to stay to to understand that that actually helps like and i i have, i really believe that it only helps through experimentation only when you start trying it out and you actually start to feel the difference and obviously to be conscious and to create those spaces to reflect on was that actually helpful what how do i feel now right mm. how do i Sometimes maybe you don't even feel too much of a difference when you first start, but then you may go back to your old habits and you think, oh, <laughs> that was actually way better back then, you know? So things like that, like all of the, all of that experimentation gives you actually insights into what is, what is working for you specifically as an individual and what doesn't work for you because everyone is so different. And, and that's uh, really important to say too, right? Like, it's, it's really about finding your way, not do Joel's way or do Emily's way or do, do Julia's way. It's about doing your way and what works for you the best. 100%. And Emily has a great saying, it depends, <laughs> right? I have, it's the best day ever for Emily. It depends. And to, to her point, it, it all depends. You know, we're in the nutritional and, and life coaching space, right? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of nutrition programs and even coaching programs, they're like, this is the answer. And we're like, yeah, depends. Mm -hmm. And our approach is I want to bring awareness to you because you already have the answer. You already got the answer. My job as a coach is to be able to go, well, what about over here? And sometimes the client goes, no, 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 it's over here. Okay, I'll go with you into that corner. What'd you find over there? Oh, nothing good. Okay, well, do you want, do you want to check out this corner? Oh, I guess so, right? And then they go over there and they go, oh, wow, this really works. Because when you become aware, there is no going back. There is no going back. When you've become aware of that prefrontal cortex of your amygdala, of like, oh, wow, I am burning out. Oh, wait a second. When I take breaks, I feel better. Oh, where is this unsafety coming from? Why can't I say no to my boss? Why can't I say no to other people? What is that actually about? And when we start being able to address that and start bringing up like, Oh, I see where this is coming from. There is no going back. There is no going back. So I, I'm curious, right? We're, we, we've gotten into the nitty gritty. People are going like, whoa, that's cool. I can see that. 
what's the tangibles here though, right? Mm -hmm. If we know that like a muscle, we're burning out this prefrontal cortex, what, what can we do here to be able to make sure that we're not going into that amygdala all the time? And you guys, you, you're there quite often. You find yourself emotional, right? You find yourself snapping off. That's when you're in your amygdala. It is, it, that is the emotional center of your brain where you're just like, oh, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have said that. And I said that, and that was just really messed up. Yeah, sorry. We want to stay away from, from those reactive states. So how do we do it, Julia? What's the tangible things of like, Hey, you don't have to do a hundred bicep curls, right? All in a row. Well, how do we make this work? Yeah. And there are so many ways to, ways to answer this question. A bazillion. <laughs> I think it, start, it all starts with awareness, of course, right? Like mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. It all starts with awareness. It all starts with, first of all, taking a step back and saying, this is exactly what I'm going through. This is exactly what I'm experiencing. And I am ready to change that. And I, I really want to feel different, right? And a, an exercise that I like to do is to ask people to dream again, which is kind of funny, but, and I'm, I don't mean dream in like in the sleep state. I mean, take a moment mm. to think about what would your actual dream work day look like? What would you actually want? How mm. would you, when would you start your work day? What kind of things would you work on? How would you be dressed? How would you feel? How would you engage with other people, right? Like to really go into that and to ask yourself, what would that be like? And for some people, that's a really exciting exercise to do. And for other people that go through that exercise, they find themselves feel really scared at the end of the exercise because they think, wow, I'm really far away from that, from that idea. And I don't have, and I have no idea how to bridge the gap between where I'm at today and where I want to be in the future, yeah. which is okay. Um, because that it's just, we are, we're building awareness and we're starting to um, identify a little bit, okay, what are the things that actually, again, going back to you as an individual, what is it that you want? Because in that answer of what is your dream work they look like, there will be millions and gazillions of different answers to that question. Yeah. From, for each individual, it will be super different. And so then we start to ask ourselves the question, well, how can I bridge that gap? And the answer is also not, again, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to move to the end of the world to a deserted island and I'm never going to work a day in my life again. Which um, is the response is for a lot of hard chargers, <laughs> Julia. Like we have right. some and there's like, man, if I could just live on an island and be a fisherman or I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to live in the middle of the mountains, right? And I'm just going to hunt rabbits daily. You know, when I hear that from people, I go, oh, you're smoked out, right? Because your reality, like what your dream is, is to get away from everything, which is a clear sign you are smoking yourself out that that amygdala is- And you is just want to escape it. Ex exactly. Right. Because you feel yeah. unsafe all day long. All day long, you just feel the pressure, okay. whether it's on your chest, in your body, right? Your mind is racing. You, 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 it's hard for you to find happiness throughout the day to be able to sit up in the uh, morning and to go, holy crap, mm -hmm. do you get to see that I get to stand on two feet today? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I got 
eyebrows and hair. Okay. I got fingers. Okay. Most of us are so lit up of, I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to get straight into emails. I'm already into that lizard brain of just like reactive, 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 that you don't realize that 750,000 people didn't wake up this morning and you did. That somebody got an infection and lost their arm yesterday. And you have an arm still. These are those gratitudes that if we're in fight or flight all the time, we don't have the ability to be able to show gratitude. We don't have the ability to dream and to be able to go, Ooh, I wonder what today could bring Mm -hmm. to be able to get in that childlike mindset and to be able to dream is so hard. Cause even when you were talking about like, Hey, let's create our dream scenario. What I have found with a lot of hard chargers, CEOs, they're just like, no, the reality is this. What are you talking about? What, What imagine what? You know, they struggle to even imagine when I say, hey, I'm giving you the black card to life, meaning you have all the resources, money, time and everything. What would you do with it? And they're like, well, uh, you know, I'd probably make things better at work, uh, be able to hire on a couple more uh, people. And I'm just like, what? We're, We're right back into your current reality and the few things I'm giving you full access, the genie bottle to life. And this is your answer. That's usually a clear sign. You're in an unsafe space a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so once you have, so you have the awareness. You maybe have dreamed a little bit about what could be. And just to have those two parts, let's talk about those two things, right? Because in order to do that, in order to have the awareness and dream a little, you need to be in a safe space, mm. and you need space. Space is a, is a really important word, I think. And when you are in a stressed state, you are not, you don't really have space. And that's why we all, all the time talk about self-care and we talk about, you know, creating ways to recharge your body because when you have, when you are in a safe space, then you can obviously operate so differently. You can think so differently. And that's why we talk about And so in this uh, psychological trust and safety training that I do, we talk about two different models. We talk about a proactive model and we talk about a reactive model of how Mm. we are managing stress and how we are staying in a safe state or not being in a safe state. And the first, the proactive model is called NETS um, and it's an acronym for nutrition, exercise, training and sleep. Nutrition exercise is clear. I'm not going to talk about this again. (laughs) Training. What is training? Because we already talked about exercise. So what is training different to exercise? It's mindfulness training. It's training your brain to create space and awareness to think about things because we don't even have time to think anymore, which is why when you are asking your client, Joel, to, you know, you give him the the black card and he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't even have an answer to that because he he hasn't had time in forever to actually just think about it. Um, and so thinking, you know, we, we do think we think all the time, which we do, but we are react, we are constant in re- constantly in reactive mode and we are constantly in this emergency thinking, right? We're constantly just putting out fires and we constantly feel like we are in fire drills and we just respond to this email and respond to that chat and go into this meeting and so on and so on. And so mindfulness training and all of these 
four pieces, the nutrition, the exercise, the training, and the sleep, has actually, there's so much neuroscientific research about that, which is why, obviously, there are so many of us that, that try to train to help people to learn this, right? Um, but there's so much research that shows how the brain actually sh changes and shifts when we are starting to integrate these four parts into our life. You will, I mean, I'm sure you have probably have these conversations as well. I have so many clients that I talk to just about sleep. And they think five hours of sleep is all they can get out of their night. They don't have more time because they go to bed at two o'clock in, in, in the morning because they think they still need to finish that task for work. Um, and the importance of sleep. And, and again, and then, I, you know, and then I have clients that understand fully the importance of sleep, but they still don't do it. Right. That's a whole different story. But <laughs> so that's like those four pieces is a really good start way to create space to think and to be actually aware and to have to have the consciousness to say what do, do I want how do I want to adapt my life in order to feel better and the interesting thing and that's a lot of what I do um, in my work when I mentioned earlier productivity systems is is how do I actually create the time to do this <laughs> because so many people say well I don't actually have the time to eat well to exercise to do mind uh, meditation or there, there are so many other mindfulness trainings out there nowadays or to to sleep right and so that's i think really where it starts at least on on my side with the type of clients that i work with it's how do you create the space and time to actually start to invest in yourself because from that position you can operate so differently and you can start to make very different decisions Mm. so many good things there yeah. the two things that we hear quite often and i'm sure you hear too is like you you said you've made that statement there before i'm just always putting out fires okay red alarm folks if you're constantly have your fire hat on right and you're putting out fires that means there's chaos going on in the city okay if there's a bunch of buildings on fire all the time imagine if reno all of a sudden, there was just fires all over the place. That would be a really unsafe place. I mean, I wouldn't be down here right now if there was multiple buildings on fire. I'm like, man, this is not a place I want to be. That's one thing. And then the other thing that we hear quite often is, I, I just don't have the time for it. I'm putting out fires and I don't have the time for it. And then I feel like crap. And so I'm in my lizard brain all the time. And so now I'm living and a life. And my old safe space. Right. Like that's the important mm. thing. Like we think that that's the safe space because it is for the brain, because that's all the, your brain knows. And so you're mm -hmm. trying to teach something new. Sorry to interrupt. You. No, you're nailing it. Yes. The answer is yes. And so it, we, we've now kind of, we've, we funneled this thing down. We're getting to this point of like, oh, okay, we, we need to create some space. So that we're not in this, what we believe, safe space of putting out fires. That's what we think safety is, right? How do we, how do we help people to create more space, even if it's just small periods throughout the day to give that muscle a little bit of a relaxation? We have a couple things that we suggest, right? We suggest taking walks. 
finding times to be able to go take a walk. I have what's called the 50-10 rule, 50 minutes work, 10 minutes rest. I use my Siri to tell me when my time starts, when my time stops. And then I do the same thing for my rest period. I tell Siri, hey, hey Siri, uh, set a time for 10 minutes. And so then I, for 10 minutes, oh, there you go, Siri's talking to me. For 10 minutes, I go and I take my walk or if I want to, I get on social media, whatever. But when that 10 minutes stops, then it's like, okay, cool. Now it's time to come back to work. But I make sure to put those spaces because if not, what I find is that I do end up in this really razzled state and I'm back into that amygdala because that prefrontal cortex is completely exhausted and wiped out. So what are some, those are some of our techniques that we said to talk about. What are some of the techniques that, that you, you utilize to help people create some more space? I first look at their calendars <laughs> because they're usually back to back and super, super overloaded with too many things. And I help them create space. Um, that's the first thing that I usually do. And it sounds so simple, right? But yeah, like uh, so many of my clients are just, yeah, they're just in meetings and it, there's just so much going on um, that it's really hard for them to even get into a new habit of 50 minutes on 10 minutes off because they're in meetings for five hours a day back to back mm. without the 10, 5, 10 minutes in between. And it's also so hard to adjust that because say to someone in the corporate world, I'm starting my meetings at 9.15. They're going to be like, well, but that doesn't work with my schedule because my schedule is 9 to 9.30, 9.30 to 10, 10 to 10.30, 11 to 11, 11 to 11, and so on, right? And so you have to, like, it It has to be that part um, of um, creating those, um, like, I, you know, teach a lot of time blocking of how to, you know, and again, for each individual is different. Some people feel like they can super focus for an hour and a half in meetings and then they need a break and then how to you, do you create those spaces? I, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned you have this like 50 minutes on 10 minutes off and then you maybe go on social media. I thought it was really interesting you said that. I hope you don't always do that, Joel, and I hope you do more of the going outside yeah, the, yeah, that's, <laughs> and getting that's a glass often. of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so that's interesting because obviously – the, again, the clients that I work with, they are in front of their screens all day long. So if they want to take a break and then they take their phone to look at their screen by still sitting down and doing that, I'm trying to, and obviously I do that too, right? So there, there is a balance of, um, of doing that and not doing that, but I really encourage them just get out of your chair, um, get a glass of water, go use the bathroom, just step outside of your front door like mm -hmm. even if you don't have the time to go for a walk right but like how about you just open the door and you stand in the fresh air so you just kind of do something different um i think one of the biggest misconceptions about creating space is that it needs to be an extended time right we think it needs to be an hour or two hours or it needs to be a spa day or it needs to be a two-week vacation in order to recharge those batteries but that's not enough, right? If we just go on vacation once a year for 10 days, that's obviously not enough to recharge our batteries. We're not recharging our phone once a year for 10 days either and think mm -hmm. that that will keep the battery running, right, for the, for the other 355 days. Um, so I talk a lot about... Um, 
closing your eyes, taking deep breaths in order to get from that fight or flight state, from that para, like from the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. It actually only takes 90 seconds to activate that. Um, so, you know, in between meetings, in a meeting, take a few deep breaths, nobody will notice, right? Because you're, you're breathing all the time. So the middle, really little things can obviously you know also just start to kind of create more awareness around that and then it's really about setting boundaries to say i like what are my priorities right so what i teach a lot as well is priority setting like what are actually the priorities for the day so you don't constantly get into this into this emergency state mode where you're just putting out fires why are we putting out fires because it's the easiest thing to do and it also releases dopamine. It like gives us dopamine hits all day long because we're like, I just did this and I just responded to this email and I went into this meeting and I answered that person. So it makes us feel good. But at the end of the day, we haven't actually done anything in order to progress with our own work, which is then obviously why my people then work during the nights in order to get their work done. And because the culture, unfortunately, in many corporations today is that way, we don't question it anymore. It's absolutely normal that we work after dinner, you know, and it all like, it's totally normal that you check your emails and that you work during the weekend, like things like that. And, and I'm really trying to break those stigmas. The problem is, you know, and then here's the cool thing. We can point the finger again and say, if my company would only, you know, understand what Julia is saying, then my life would be so much easier, but it actually doesn't start necessarily with the company it starts with you because again you know when we're talking about burnout you are a burned out person most probably because you're that you are a high achiever and you have learned these habits and routines over the course of your lifetime mm -hmm. so when i started my business four and a half years ago you know what my calendar looked like the first three months it was very crowded because that's what i was used to and that's how i felt productive and accomplished and so only through awareness and learning all of these different things, I was like, <laughs> how am I now my own boss? And my calendar <laughs> still looks that yeah. way, yeah. right? Yeah, my and boss it's because sucks. of me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's because of me and because of the habits and the, the security and safety measures that I have created for myself to feel safe and feel productive and feel accomplished. And it only will start shifting when you start to make these changes. Mm. This has been really informative. I love where we have taken this in terms of uh, the neuroscience of how this is working, being able to break it down in terms of our safety and our structure. And a lot of you guys might be shaking your head like, yeah, yeah. And listen, simple and easy are not the same thing. Simple and easy are not the same thing. You guys have heard us say that so many times. But what Julia is saying is being able to create that space. It, it, it truly is simple. It comes down to, hey, uh, hey, John, uh, yeah, how about uh, 1130 for our meeting? Hey, sorry, I already have a meeting. That 1130 meeting is with yourself. I have yet with anyone I've coached and in my lifetime, when I say I have a meeting, them go, well, what's the meeting? Not a single time. 
And you don't need to know that that meeting is with me to go for a walk. That meeting is my time to go eat. You don't need to know. And being able to create safety around the thought that if I say no, I'm still an incredible CEO. I'm still a great mom. I'm the best dad. Even though I said no to XYZ. And being able to go, let me take a breath. I'm safe here. I'm okay. I'm going to go for a walk. And go, oh, that does feel good. But if, like Julie was saying, we're putting out fires, we're living off that dopamine high, we're, we're going from thing to thing, we have no time to be able to have that perspective. And so, Emily, I, I, you've been quite silent throughout this podcast. <laughs> oh, this is great. And, and I'm just listening. I'm, I'm curious, through everything that we've talked about today, do you have any, any questions for, for Julia when it comes to, to structure? I mean, from what you experience with, mm -hmm. you know, your clients, our clients, so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a question I often hear, and it goes back to, I think two parts, but I'm really curious to hear what you have to say and what you do with your clients, Julia, when they say, Oh, I don't have enough time. Usually we figure out, okay, well you feel the need to do these things, whether it be financial or in your identity, as Joel said, right? Like, Oh, I don't feel productive enough. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't do it. Or it's, Oh, I need to make the money. And that's the only way. And so I'm curious how you navigate that with your clients. Does it go back to the priority list? Does it go back to being, hey, experiment with these spaces and see how much more productive you actually are? Or is there something else that you, you talk about with them? Mm -hmm. It's definitely these parts. But the first thing that came to my mind is mindset and motivation. So you know, I think you're bringing up a good point in this conversations that I have as well with my clients, sometimes financial, right? So especially again, at the moment, I, I work mostly in the tech space. I've had a lot of people be impacted by layoffs or like one of, their, one, one of the two, right? Because oftentimes the couple works in the tech world and then one has been impacted by the layoff. The other one is now all of a sudden the sole breadwinner and felt burned out already before that state. And now they have that added pressure of, I am the person that's making the money in our relationship right now, right? And um, I, unfortunately, but fortunately, I think it's sometimes good to go into kind of worst case scenario thinking because, well, what if you get sick and you are not able to provide that money anymore? <laughs> Isn't that mo shouldn't that be motivation to take care of yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. if if now you fall away too, um, then then there's nobody there anymore, right? It, it always goes back to you know I'm sure you've probably mentioned that many times on the podcast too, like your oxygen mask first, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what what they see mm -hmm. on the airplane, because it's about you. It's about taking care of yourself first. It's about putting you and I love that we're talking about safety today because it's so it's so fitting you put yourself in safety first and then you can take care of other people you can't do that if you're not safe mm -hmm. because if you're if you don't have air <laughs> because you can't reach that overhang mask anymore that's dropped down then there's nothing else is going to happen anymore so I find it really really helpful to talk with people about mindset and motivation Sometimes I talk with people and I say to them, do you really believe that you can make that change? Because oftentimes my people actually think they can't. 
and that's a really important thing to address first before we can start to uh, experiment with different mm -hmm. things we, we can experiment with prioritization we can experiment it's that's why i love that you said uh, simple and easy is not the same thing because it sounds so simple but it's not easy it's such a complex thing right we are complex human beings and individuals and so it's really important to identify what are our belief systems why do what do i believe what have i seen my parents do all all my life long right and my mom was maybe a single mom that had five different jobs in order to keep us going well what what kind of hmm. learnings do I take as a small human being away from that situation, right? Mm -hmm. And then I take this into my life and it's really important to talk about these things. So I, mm -hmm. you know, that that's, I think, a really important piece of what, like, sometimes I say to my clients, maybe you're not like that, motiv what is your motivation to change? And the motivation is not big enough. It's not in a way sometimes too scary enough to, um, um, to kind of maybe move that needle right so it's really important to talk about motivation and then the mindset of can I actually change that do I believe I can make that change mm -hmm. I want to say one more thing Joelle um, I think one of the interesting things you just talked about in your example with John <laughs> um, one of the in interesting insights that I found with working with people as well as is that we talked about finding space I just worked with a lawyer in Germany um, who actually listened to me on the podcast and then came to work with me, which was cool. wonderful. And he, um, he, you know, he works in a law firm in Germany, super, super busy. He mm. wants to become partner at the law firm. And he asked himself the question, well, how am I going to get to the next level when I'm already so burned out? How am I going to manage more? And one of his biggest realizations actually over the course of the 10-week program was number one, I really want to have this career. This is actually something that really connects with my values and I want that, which is great. Again, that's each individual is different. Some people go through that and say, that's not what I want to do. And some people go through it and say, that actually lights me on fire and it makes me really excited and happy. And he, um, for example, walked home every night um, from work. And by creating space and consciousness, he said, well, I'm actually already working home. Like, how have I been using that time before? And now that I'm conscious about that, I'm needing space in order to reflect on certain things. I'm using that space mm. consciously to walk home. So crazy, right? Either like, how do we choose to go home? Do we rush home? And we're just mm -hmm. in a, a continued stress state and run, run, you know, to, uh, to our next appointment mm -hmm. because the girlfriend is waiting at home with dinner and is going to be mad if you're again home late 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. To this is actually space for me to recharge. And he said just that mindset shift of I, I'm using this time to go home to I'm using this time because it's space actually for myself. I'm moving my body. I'm in the fresh air. And I have actually 15 minutes, 20 minutes to reflect on the day and to let go of the things that mm -hmm. are still on my mind right now in order to go home and then be present with the next thing on my agenda. Mm -hmm. And um, I do want to mention that because that's, I think that's a lot of us actually have the spaces, but we don't use them consciously in, in a benefiting way. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. We're trying to fill mm -hmm. space just to fill space. Right. Like more isn't better. More is just more is what I tell m most people like, no, more is just more. You're just doing more, right? Are we actually taking, and this is really interesting, Julia. I don't know if you've ever done this, but we do it in proclivity. We ask people in one sentence, tell me your outcome. One sentence, mm -hmm. short, precise, straight to the point. People really struggle. They want to write or explain this huge like dialogue of a story. We're like, no, no, no. What, what's your outcome of this project? What's your outcome of going home and telling your wife blank? What's your outcome of doing this workout? What's your outcome? One, one single direct statement and people really struggle with it because they're so used to just going like, well, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. Well, what's the outcome? What's the outcome? Just pause real quick. What's the outcome? And, and we can struggle in, in being able to get to that point of like, huh? Well, my outcome in taking this walk is to create space. My outcome of being able to say no here is to honor myself and put on my oxygen mask first, make sure that I'm safe because you had such a good point that if, if we don't take care of ourselves, eventually it will snap. Eventually your health will go. Eventually you'll get burned out and your finances will be gone. Eventually you will get divorced. Eventually your kids will hate you eventually. And in it's up to you to be able to recognize that right now. Because a winning formula is being able to go, I, the people I work for or the people that work for me are happy. My product, my service, or what I do, that's happy. And then I'm happy. Because I coach a lot of CrossFit affiliates. And they focus too much on their coaches and their members and not themselves. And I go, hey, what's going to happen when you burn out because you're not making enough money, you don't have enough time, and you start getting bitter? Now who loses? Your entire community. The community that you're saying that you're doing everything for is going to completely lost, be lost because you're going to close the doors. Now your coaches don't have a job and your members don't have a place to have a community and work out because you didn't take care of you. Now everybody loses. Whoa. That usually turns on light for most affiliate owners to go like, oh, dang. So if I don't take care of me, I'm actually doing the reverse order of what I think I'm doing, that I'm trying to take care of everybody else, but eventually I'm going to get to a point where I break and then everything falls. This is good stuff. This is really good <laughs> stuff. And I'm, I, you know, my thought was, and imagine all the resentment that happens between the eventually the divorce and eventually this and eventually that all of the resentment that you experience because you're not really happy anymore and you think other people should know and they should yes. do something else so that you feel better, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That external to internal. If I'm mm -hmm. constantly thinking, oh, I'm going to make this great dinner, right, for my wife. And I must put so much time, but I'm going to put this extra time in the dessert. I know they're going to love this. And they get through the dinner and they go, oh man, the steak was incredible. Thank you. 
and you're like, what about the dessert? Like I put so much time and effort and love into the dessert and you're not telling me how much you love the dessert. <laughs> Instead of just being able to go, man, I put so much love into this dessert and I'm really proud of myself for how much I've, I've put into this. Mm-hmm. Now I need no applaud or pat on the back. I know what I did was of love and of, of effort and that's good enough. And that's good enough. But too often we're seeking external validation and reward and so on and so forth. I'm sure you see that. It's the driver of a lot of burnout. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's where it all starts. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, Julie, this has been such a good podcast uh diving into the the tangibles and the neuroscience of of structure and and, um where where we can create structure create space this has been awesome is there anything else you want to cover before we bring this to a close i think we covered a lot of really good things today sure did thank you for all the great questions of course of course and if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they go, I want to know more about that Julia girl because she speaks three languages. She got a super cool tattoo. <laughs> she lives up in Tahoe, right? She does all cool things. She's an athlete. I want to be like Julia. How do they get a hold of you? The best way is to come and join me on my Instagram account. And from there, you'll find all the other links but the the uh, instagram is a good way to start and it's julia aren't coaching and aren't because i know that's not a word that you that's very common in the, mm-hmm. in the english language is a r n d t but i'm sure you'll connect it in the show notes as well so yep. julia aren't coaching and then we'll take it from there mm, and you you have such good content like mm-hmm. i don't know who's doing your content but you like you're spot on with your content and your audio and your visual like you guys if you want to see a freaking pro of course she's a pro she works with fortune 500 company she's a pro check out her instagram page it's fantastic thank you emily thank you so much yeah thank you so much julia i uh i saw you speak at the wild woman summit i believe that's what it's called in reno and I was like, we need to have her. She lines up exactly with what we do in the proclivity method with what we do on the mindset side. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. It's been awesome. We hope to have you again. Thank you so much. It was my absolute pleasure. And it's always super nice to connect with people because I know sometimes when there's like 200 people in a room, it's kind of hard to speak (laughs) to everyone. And I was really glad that you reached out. So thank you so much for having me. Beautiful. It's a beautiful day. I would even say best day ever. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. We truly, truly appreciate that you give us your time to be able to be with us. That is it. Episode 110. We got episode 111. Already prepped for it. We're rolling into it. We're talking about, are we going to say it? We're going to talk about allergies. Mm -hmm. Be ready. Episode 111. We're going to talk about allergies. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've liked the show, Share it, review it, give us a a high five, whatever works. And until we meet again, Emily. Best day ever. Best day ever.